Rise up, you dead, slain of the Hydra. Rise from your graves and avenge us. Those who steal the Golden Fleece must die. Ready to rumble? I am ready. Mike Tyson? Yes. All right. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. I don't think his fights were rumbles as much as they as were. As much like, as they were beat <laughs> Someone ran and hid in the corner. <laughs> that Sphinx fight was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did somebody run in the Mike's face. <laughs> piss, I remember how many times we were pissed when people were spent dropping the $50 and it lasted a minute and a half, and you're like, what the hell? We always went across the street, yeah. so we didn't have to pay for it. They would get the Tyson fights and oh, like yeah, the rest yeah. of the I never days. actually had to drop any money no. myself on it. I always knew people liked it. Yeah. The reason we're talking about this, <laughs> we were just talking before we push record about the... Uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. I know Justin's listening to this and he's thrilled right now. Apparently it's going to happen. I'm excited. Vander Holyfield's also training. I've seen videos of him training, so it's going to be an old man fight. It's going to be like that movie Grudge Match. If, <laughs> if you're in your late 50s and someone says, hey, I'll give you $10 million to get I, back in the ring for I saw rounds. the video of Mike. He looks dangerous. He <laughs> I mean, he he never got out of shape as much as he started smoking well, a lot. He, well, he has he his own weed. His own weed company. He sells his own weed, Mike Tyson weed. <laughs> so you can go buy Mike Tyson's weed if you want. But mm-hmm. uh, he was on Joe Rogan's uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. And I'd call it, was, it, punch it out. was fascinating. That's what I'd call my weed. What's that? If I was Mike Tyson. What knockout punch, punch out? out punch out shit? Yeah, you got called punch <laughs> out. Uh, he was on Rogan's uh, podcast, and he said when he was on the podcast, he said, "I'm not working at all." He says, "You're not working at all." He says, "If I work out." I want to fight. <laughs> he says, so the key is not to work out because it will start that fire in my belly. And he says, I can't do it. And then so we started seeing working the, out now, though, right? But, yeah, we saw the videos of him uh, showing off and everything. And uh, I remember Rogan in later episodes like, oh, Mike's starting again. He says, that f- someone lit that fire in his belly, and he's going to go off, man. He just hits with such a square f- oh, yeah. force. Before you even know what happens, you're, you're, you're clocked Can and down on the ground. Can you imagine being Robin Givens and taking that punch? Oh, no. I would have liked to have figured I'm surprised he survived that whole... He had a crazy life. I'm surprised he survived that beating up his wife and going to prison. He went to prison for it. A lot of people get accused of being a... A wife beater like Johnny Depp. In the nineties, you, you could if he if that happened uh, last week, it would be a whole different oh, story, course, yeah. which is crazy. But still, people have gotten trouble in their past. Oh shit, yeah. But like, people still buy Chris Brown's albums. I but mean, I'm surprised. Like you know, another like, uh, and I don't want to like spread rumors or something. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Iron Man, what's his name? Iron Man. Oh, Downey Jr. Yeah, he did a lot of crazy. Oh, stuff he did in crazy his stuff. Past. Yeah, he's yeah. been able to dodge so far. Yeah, he's changed his life around. As long as he so. didn't sexually assault a woman, yeah, you could have been a dick. And you survived. I would say you, you shouldn't be shouldn't abuse a woman, but obviously that's... You shouldn't abuse anybody. Uh, no, I meant uh, yeah. in the eyes of the public. Of you course, shouldn't be able yeah. to do that and uh, come across uh, all right, and apparently you can in some cases. I don't know. Hmm. Huh? Well, whatever. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you just went out on the water, didn't you? Yeah. Justin's I, uh, been going out in the water. You're going I'll out in the water? I'll tell you what. I'm I got, the only one not. I got about an hour of heavy weather... Certification under my belly because coming back in, your mic closer to you. Coming back in, we hit uh, a crazy storm. Oh, really? Yeah. While you're on the boat or on the well, way home? Uh, yeah, on the boat. Oh, coming back in. I mean, like, couldn't see past the end of the boat, but more than maybe 100 yards, mm. which sounds like a long way, but when you want to know when other boats are around you, 100 yards, you can close 100 yards pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But uh, we went scalloping, probably got like five or six dozen. Oh, cool. Maybe seven dozen. Should, yeah. 
Went home and uh, ate those suckers? They already ate them. They were they're good. gone. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> and uh, I fished for a little bit and got some good bites. Um, but it's hard when you got th- four other people out swimming around the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, You don't know where to cast and people swimming in the lines. Sounds shit like, like you got a revolution taking on back here. Always something going on back here on the east side. <laughs> <laughs> That's what keeps it fun. You just kind of go with it. But, yeah, coming in three-foot waves. Yeah. Torrential downpour that was like hitting your face, and stinging you. So I, I was trying to drive the boat, but you had to like, yeah, like tilt your head, tilt your head down, down and like look out of the tops of your eyes. <laughs> but I think you should know how to do that because you gotta. It isn't just like can I bear it? You have to follow the waves. Mm-hmm. We were in a skiff, so it would have been hard to flip. But yeah. if you, some boats aren't. Yeah. If you get, uh, we haven't been out yet to a lot of the. Uh, uh, we would like to go out on the water or out on the beach or something like that. We still haven't done it yet, but we've been busy as hell with moving parents' stuff around and furniture, and uh, our house is a train wreck right now as we're moving uh, everything around. Did all yard work yesterday, uh, and then I just been doing uh, stuff on eBay, buying all sorts of toys, selling all sorts of toys. Get any new good toys this week? Oh yeah, what'd you get? Getting. Uh, I got a the old the OG Bumblebee just got in the mail yesterday. Nice. The metal one? Com- uh, it's metal? No, it's like that die cast metal. I mean, it's the plastic Transformers metal yeah. uh, that they always came out with. And then I've got a I got a I dropped $35 on a green lightsaber. Of course. <laughs> for for one of the three and uh 3.75 figures and everything uh, which seems ridiculous but it automatically makes the figure worth over a hundred dollars yeah. so i'm like it's the only thing i'm missing on that figure so get that and then i sell it in a couple of years and i'll uh, i'll bank so i wonder if there's well. like a uh like a tech company like in the shadows making <laughs> fake weapons to spec it's not many online and they there's ways to tell too because it used to be uh you used but to be able to you do the flow you test you can't do that anymore it's almost got to be a visual uh type thing there are people that are making them but almost nobody you, you won't last long on ebay selling fake repo weapons it is if you because, do really well at it uh now you'd it's almost impossible to get them exactly uh like and you'd be surprised there's some things that aren't even done repo i've had people say is that original and i said yeah i've never even seen a repo of you and he was like no i guess not (laughs) so that's my life right now (laughs) just (laughs) watching some movies and everything i didn't get to see any new ones i know justin's watching an exciting new one uh that uh he's dying that he's already picked for his 2020 is that uh the hunt the one they had the pull Uh, remember they had the pull it because it was a please no, it was like them hunting people in the woods. It was oh. kind of like that. But there's a lot going on to it. And he said it was uh, unbelievably satisfying. So I need to check that out. But he's already <laughs> called it for his 2020. Unbelievably But there's only satisfying. like 20 movies going to be out in 2020. So yeah. you can snatch them when you can. Got to get, <laughs> get on it quick. Uh, but this week we got some cool wild card episodes, man. There's one on here that I... Uh, did you uh, watch the one I let you borrow? I didn't. Didn't get to it? I didn't get to it. Man, you got to definitely watch it. It's going to be my number one list, so I'll wait to talk about it. Uh, but I've got a great uh, set of wild cards here. I know you got some. We had some great stuff last week with me and Justin's wild cards, so I'm what eager his, to hear. What was his number one? Oh, that's a good question. That was a long time ago. <laughs> All that last week ago? <laughs> All time last week ago. I'm not even sure if I can recall one of them. No, wait. His number one. His number one was that Fantasy Island. Oh, yeah. The new one. Yeah. With uh, Michael Pena. Everything. It sounded really good. good. It sounded it's like what funny. the is it? Is no, it? no, it's not funny. It's a horror movie. Oh, it's a, it's horror a movie? downright. It's like Wishmaster. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a downright horror. Well, that's movie. That's a good way to go with it. Uh, yeah, and I, I was excited to uh, 
to hear about it because it reminds me of those old school, old being 90s, like uh, 13 Ghosts when you go there or that uh, that haunted uh, house on the haunted mm-hmm. hill or, or obviously Wishmaster, which was directly what it was. What was the one with Femke Janssen? That was uh, the house, house on, on haunted, haunted hill. hill. Two of them came out the same time. That was one haunted called hill house. The, one was called the house on haunted hill, and the other one was called the haunting. And they were they had both had a huge cast. They had like ten characters. You made it on into each. one or the other if you yeah, were a top list. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, they came out like that a week away from each other. So uh, I and I liked one of them, and I can't remember what it is. The Femke Janssen's the one I liked. That's the one you liked. Yeah, I had that same problem. That had the weird basement stuff. With the, the they had the stuff. horse down there that they had cut <coughs> a million little pieces and huh I don't remember that I'll have to rewatch those I had the same problem with is someone like banging out metal across the street? I think so it's either that is <laughs> like banging either that sheet metal out it's, they're marching I'm I'm, I'm dying to, rhythmic, to like walk around marching and, around with weapons I don't know if everyone hears this banging but I'm I'm very curious I almost need to go ar- around the house and check it out but I don't think it's gonna be as satisfying as I hope it yeah, would be it's probably just some dummy with a sledgehammer <laughs> hitting sheet metal. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing that for? I don't know. Florida, man. <laughs> Welcome to Florida. <laughs> All right, let's go with this week's Wild Card episodes, though. Uh, let's start off with you. What do you got for uh, your number five? I'm gonna I'm gonna or switch whatever. the order. Up. No, no, I. You, you presumpt. You went. <laughs> you went presumpt on me here. Yeah. Um, so I am gonna go with number five as my first one, though. The Kingdom. Oh, the Kingdom. I love this movie. Yeah. I love the tone of this movie. It came out at the. Gr- I haven't seen it in a long time. It's uh, Peter Berg. Yep, I love Peter Berg. A lot of people he, forget. Switch. He did the actor first thing. Yep, and he does. He, was, a, he does a cameo every once. He in was a while. in this movie. He did a cameo. Yeah, he does it every once. Um, in a while. He was in a cameo in uh, that Collateral with Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. Did, he played a cop. In yep. Yeah, uh, they had a great cast. Uh, Chris Cooper, um, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, who was awesome in this. Um, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, you must have liked it. Because your problem with Jason Bateman is when he's always Jason Bateman, and he wasn't really Jason he, Bateman. He was the movie. funny. He had one liners. He, he, he was kind of the funny thing, but he but his he, character did a flip yeah. towards the end. Yeah. So Jennifer Gardner was in this. She was great in this. Yeah. I had a weird dream that I worked for her and that she sent me a Christmas card with a bunch of money in it. <laughs> like that, three that is one ago. of those classic like even, weird fucking... Even before I thought about this movie, <laughs> I had a dream about her. That's hilarious. That's weird. <laughs> Give me my money, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it except for the whole uh, the crazy kind of thing going on. Yeah, so the the movie starts out. It's a de- it's Saudi it's Riyadh in Saudi oh, Arabia. Riyadh, yeah, and basically it's there's a Western base. So we have bases over there where once you, we we can our troops are there, but they also have their troops too. Someone's going nuts on your stuff. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it's the, I'm going to put a flak jacket on and a helmet on just in case we're getting assaulted. This goes good with the kingdom, man. It, yeah. So basically, it's Saudi Arabia. It's a base that holds our troops and their troops, I think. And uh, what had happened is they were so they build these communities where Westerners can live the Western lifestyle, they can mm. eat the Western food. And traditions don't have to hold to what Saudi Arabia does. So yeah. they were playing a softball game and having yeah. a picnic with burgers, and a big bomb goes off and kills a bunch of contractors. Never a good thing. But the, the crazy thing, and something I've always thought of, it's like they set off this bomb. This guy walked out in the middle of the softball field and mm-hmm. hit the button and blew up. So it brought 10 times more investigators and ambulances, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they lit off an even bigger bomb. Hmm. 
like and killed all the. Oh, I remember that because they're they're they drew, like that crater kind of yeah, thing. They, yeah, they drew all the FBI and everybody into the scene, and really then smart. they and then they got a bigger kill. Like they killed twenty people to get to a thousand. Yeah. the next time it's actually pretty. So, smart. and do you remember they were the terrorists were filming it? We were watching sort of it, the perspective of both at mm-hmm. the same time for a little while. So, a bunch of FBI or U.S. whatever diplomats or CIA were killed. Um, it gets back to Langley and Jamie Foxx is like the, it was like his squadron leader. Yeah. And so he's like, we have to go over there and investigate it because Saudi Arabia is just going to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. So they go over there, they're allowed to like, and then they, so it's a kind of a power struggle between Jamie Foxx's team, who's Chris Cooper. He's the bomb expert. Um, I forget what Jennifer Gardner, she was maybe a forensic expert. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what Jason Bateman's role is. They all had a role there over there. And uh, oh, Jeremy Pivens was on it. Oh, yeah. I just remember it was funny because when they all landed, they got introduced to the guy that was going to show them around. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy Pivens walks up. He's like the State Department head, and he points at Jennifer Gardner's tits. He's like, we got to dial these down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, bring over, like, a thing to put yeah. over. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a couple of funny. He came in for a couple. He kept trying to get people to leave. He's like... Because they wanted to investigate it, but what they really, what the U.S. really wanted was just to say that they sent people over there yeah, to yeah. investigate it and then get them back. Yeah, like, but Jamie Someone Fox of that guy like, getting his head cut off. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Fox is like, no, we're gonna find. So yeah. Jamie Fox starts fighting against the Saudi Arabian government. I remember the street fight. The street fight was the so big the, scene. So the man. first th- three quarters of the movie is investigation. Yeah. Then they were like, they thought they. They staged this thing where they killed a couple terrorists, and they're like, oh, we got them. Okay, everybody. Jeremy Piven's like, oh, you got the terrorists. You got all these guns. You can go home now. So they reluctantly get into those SUVs, those black SUVs, and they're heading 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour to the airport. And that's when this whole last half of the movie is like 30 minutes long. And it starts with one of the greatest car crashes you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. It's They... uh, they blow up one of the SUVs. It does a flip on the highway going 100, slides hundreds of yards. And then it broadsides Jason Bateman, their thing, and the terrorists jump out, and they grab Jason Bateman. Yeah, it was very like they uh, Black beat, Hawk Down type of they situation. They grab him out of the while well, in a firefight with Jamie Foxx yeah. and, and Gardner and Chris Cooper, and they jag Bateman screaming and yelling away. And so they secure a vehicle, and they're chasing this group. And they they got to get this because once he gets away, they're they're gonna kill him. Yeah, they know that. But uh, so they uh, they chase him through the streets, and they finally f- see like blood trails from some of the people they had shot on the way there. And then they, that last building assault scene is crazy. Yeah, it was very um, how like the new uh, video games are, or like how just how kind of uh, war is now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? it's house to house, and and if you're on their territory. Their neighborhood protects them. Yeah, it's very similar to a lot of the Middle Eastern kind of warfare that we've seen in movies, but it seemed accurate, you know, and it seemed very smart. Uh, that's why I like Peter Berg doing Lots that. of quick... He doesn't... All his movies aren't fantastic, but every no. once in a while he'll... Copland he'll him. doing... He was in Copland, but no, that was the guy who did Walk the Line, who, okay. who did Copland, uh, and... A lot of people, if you don't know Jason uh, or Peter Berg as a director, as an actor, he was the kid from Shocker, and he was in, uh, what was the one that I uh, really liked with him? Uh, That Late for Dinner, which no one's seen but me, but he was amazing in that. So it's good that he's still out there doing that stuff, but he kind of flies under the radar as a director. It 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 was was good. Very handheld, but the the gun scenes and the chase scenes, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. 
Yeah, that gun scene in the street, I definitely remember that. If you if you've seen it and you don't remember anything else, that uh, that's the one that always kind of sticks to, see to your memory. Jennifer Gardner be a well, she's badass. a badass soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she was a badass in that. Uh, uh, what was that kind of uh, covert? She wasn't a superhero, but it was something like that. Was it? Yeah. Angel, not Angel, but uh, friggin' alias. alias. Yeah, she was Alias. Yeah, that's uh, right. She was so that's alias. she kind of started with that type of kind of action yeah. stuff, and, and then, then she, she married. She managed Ben Affleck, and it went downhill. <laughs> she went downhill, and uh, she says, I don't have to do that, put my body through that anymore. I'll do 13 going on 30 or whatever the hell she was doing at Why that point. Why would she uh, That was that? actually a funny movie, but... Uh, he's kind of a tool. Oh, he's definitely a tool, but... <laughs> I mean, I'd hang out with him, but he's a tool. <laughs> it does seem like he's a bit much. <laughs> All right, well, my wild card movie, my first wild card movie here, 1963's... Jason and the Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts. One of the first uh, things that scared the crap out of me. I love Jason and the Argonauts. Well, I'm a huge uh, Clash of the Titans fan, and arguably I'm a, a more I, of a I Clash like of the Titans fan. More than what's that? You, you like this one more? Yeah. Uh, see, I love Clash of the Titans just because you get to see more of what's going on in Jason and the Argonauts, basically, and you get to see Medusa. And I, I've got a weird obsession with Medusa. I totally get a tattoo of her. I love. Would you seeing, look at her? You'd look. At I her. would not look at her, but I'm Maybe. smart enough to use the mirror. <laughs> but Jason the Argonauts <laughs> was a great. Story that I remember us reading at the Christian school. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, the, I think, the story was actually called Jason and the Golden Fleece, mm-hmm. and it and wasn't the uh, Argonauts, but this is what they had called this one, and, or what I like to call it. Uh, remember uh, the Harry Hamlin show? I, I, no, I, Harry Hamlin was in Clash of Titans. No, he wasn't in this. This was Todd Armstrong, but. Uh, I always like to think of these movies as the uh, the Greek gods just fucking stuff up. They're like playing chess yeah. with like human beings, man, and it's so hilarious that it's the, it's almost the exact same way. They're very petty. Uh, the, the gods. If you like it, uh, Clash of the Titans and Jason the Argonauts. The only similar thing is Ray Harryhausen does the special effects for it. It's different directors and everything, but you would think they would they pair very well together because you see. Uh, they don't have the same person playing Zeus, obviously. Uh, Lawrence Olivier played Zeus mm-hmm. in uh, Clash of the Titans. And this one is another famous guy, but it's not too famous that I would know. But Hera, the, uh, the woman who always shows her face in statues on Earth, like the statue will start talking, or the mm-hmm. mast of the yeah, ship. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where the mast of the ship starts talking. Uh, and that was played by Honor Blackman, who was uh, Pussy Galore from uh, Octop- uh, not Octopussy, um, Goldfinger. Uh, and I always thought she was great. So basically, it's very similar like Clash of the Titans, where they they take this one guy, who's uh, Jason, and they they kind of are making a bet between each other. Then they want him to uh, seek out the bored. Golden Fleece, which is something that it's literally like the fleece of a sheep with its head attached, and it's just golden. And he's got to go. And it the, has like he's got to go to the powers. end of the earth. It's got powers, and you can control people, and you can do whatever you want. It's like the the best thing. It's like Thanos's glove. You need it. What? Uh, it, but it's at the end of the earth. People are talking about where is it? It's on the map. No one's even explored there. We don't know what the hell that is. So he wants to get a crew together, and he he meets one guy, and the, the effects start with this one thing where he meets this one guy, and he's like, "Why haven't you talked to the gods yet?" He's like, "Well, I don't believe in the gods," and he, he's he's like, "Well, he says, what if I can prove to you that they are?" And then all of a sudden, that guy grew like super huge and then grabbed Jason in his hand and they'd like like uh, they disappear and they're automatically up in like uh, Olympus That's and I think he, they're not as big they, he's actually standing on like that chessboard thing that they play with and uh, he's talking to him, and he's like, "Oh shit, I guess this is real." And Zeus says, "What do you need to do your mission?" He's like, "He's like, I don't need anything." He's like, "I'm gonna." Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, please. <laughs> yeah, no. 
but he's like uh, he's like are you telling me you don't need anything i'm the uh, i'm zeus i can grant you whatever you want and he's like no he says well how are you going to get a crew and he's like well i'm going to start these games and whoever's worthy and win can win these games will be part of my crew and that's what he does he holds these like uh, kind of olympic games and uh he, he picks the best crew but obviously that's how they started one of them's a plant because one of them uh jason's father i think it was screwed him in battle so he stuck his son in that uh in the game so he could get it uh on the crew and kind of be his guy on the inside but basically this movie was all about those creature effects and there was several the of them that were really really good the skeletons was the big one at the end but leading up to it you had the uh the one huge centurion who who was like brass and had the patina on him and he was creaking yeah, and yeah, swinging yeah, 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 yeah. while they were trying to get uh uh, had a couple boats and it got one of the boats in his hand and he crushed it and he got. They always by. had some Yeoman Johnsons. In there uh, yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> they had the harpies. The harpies were oh, great when man. he showed up in the uh, cemetery and the uh, harpies were stealing the guy's food. Yeah. And the guy was going to tell him where the the fleece was and he says, "Well, what can we do for you?" He says, "Like, yeah, I need, you need to get rid of these harpies for me." So they constructed these nets and the harpies look cl- crazy. They're like these purple half eagle. I mean, these are all stop people. motion animation it was too. Great. So you you forget how long this type of uh, stuff took. But. Because of that, they creepy. had creepy movements. Oh, yeah. Creepy looked really, really cool. Like uh, herky-jerky movements that made it look even creepier. Uh, what was really good, so they, there was a... Uh there was one guy who was after Jason because they they had the fleece themselves and they uh, they were the protectors of the fleece and they knew Jason was going to steal it and he was pissed off and the fleece was being uh, guarded by like the seventh seven headed Hydra mm-hmm. very uh, similar like in Legend of Zelda yeah you had to kill uh, all the seven heads, heads. you got to kill all seven heads man you ain't gonna get that heart container nope. <laughs> so he's got to uh, he's got to kill these uh, he ends up slaying this dragon and then grabs the fleece and flees through the uh through the doorway and then that other kind of commander comes in and he was like get the teeth get the teeth from the hydra and so they show them down there and they're in the mulls of the uh the dragon stealing i don't think you want the teeth and they put them in the huge bag and this was the big point of the movie too and it took like four months to do this one scene and so they reach up to they get to jason and he's like screaming at uh jason he's like stop and then he throws the teeth on the ground and uh all of a sudden the teeth grow into these crazy skeletons and they pop straight up out of the ground and they're pretty excellent sword fighters yeah well what's crazy is then that you see him getting in the uh motion and you think they're just going to go super slow and then the guy's screaming kill him kill them all and then they they let out like this blood curling like Ooh. scream and then just run like it, you didn't expect everything else in this movie moved at like a slow kind of stop motion pace it must have been great, well like, received when it came out 10 minute it was like a 10 minute scene of them fighting the uh the skeletons and it was awesome man was when awesome. you're looking i remember at it, as a little kid yeah but you're looking at it even knowing what it is and that they're they're there fighting nothing you know and they put these stop motion guys in there i mean that, that's it, the it looks like they're connected that's every superhero movie it, nowadays. it's true but it looks like they're i mean this is 63 too they look like they're connecting it holds up I yeah mean, for what it up. is it holds up for what it is because um remember those dinosaur stop motion mo- mm-hmm. tv shows we used to watch dad used yeah, to like love land them. of lost even there was different ones that weren't land of lost yeah. more dinosaur heavy mm-hmm. but they had stop motion it was kind of yeah harry housen harry housen there's a great documentary about him and he is basically the king of stop motion uh, animation so if you're interested in that type of thing you got to check out Jason Argonauts. Check out Clash of the Titans. A lot of those old ones. Uh, Mysterious Island is a big one that has a lot. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth was has one several of King things. Kong's. King, King Kong's Kong. definitely the original 1933. I mean, that was the only way they could do that uh, sort of thing. So that was always a, a great one, too. I'm a huge old school monster you creature feature past type guy. The, the 
you can look at the nostalgia and not oh, see shit. it as cheese. I don't mind the cheese. The cheese is part of it. I want the cheese. I want extra cheese. I want it extra cheesy, dripped on that shit. So, yeah, Jason the Argonauts, check it out, man. All right, what you got? All right, let's go with this should have been a low-budget movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's called Phone Booth. Oh, I love phone booths. I love phone booths. <laughs> Basically one connection, a, walk, a slight walk down Fifth Avenue. Yeah, it's such a weird... This is Joel Schumacher, too, yeah, who just yep. died like uh, like a month ago. Yep. And uh, Colin, Colin Farrell. Uh, Kiefer, but you Kiefer, didn't realize... Until I mean, you, you heard his voice the first time. I mean, yeah. They should have got an actor whose voice you didn't recognize. That was recognize my only problem, even though I did like him. But I like him. Other, I wanted um, Kiefer to be on the other yeah, end. Yeah, but of he is telephone. a very recognizable voice. So basically, Kiefer Sutherland is this vigilante type guy who sees ills in the world and takes it upon himself to write them (laughs) but he also doesn't employ the most ethical tactics was this a complete random he didn't even know this guy or was there a connection he knew him. Remember, okay. he told his. I can't remember. He, I haven't seen he him had him on the phone, and he told him where he lived. What yeah. his wife does. He knew that he was. Gotcha. He was We're getting ahead he, of ourselves. Okay. Tell us. The, so basically, the there's Colin Farrell. In a different life, you would have believed he would have been this person. He mm. was the. He, he was an agent for um, a bunch of like B level, yeah. up and coming celebrities. And he remember he had the little assistant. And he was kind of like belittling. It's weird. I I, I kind of thought Colin Farrell in his career was, were going to play a lot of these types of roles, and he surprisingly didn't. He kind of made a shift with his career. Yeah, and he he probably realized I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the asshole that people think that, that is an he, asshole. Yeah, you it's know, probably when, an asshole. When Tom Cruise plays people like in yeah. Magnolia, yeah. you're like that's him in that's real Tom life, right? Cruise. They just showed up at the set. <laughs> <laughs> just do you, Tom. <laughs> so yeah, Colin, Colin Farrell. He's kind of a. He's like. It, it almost reminded me, that opening scene almost reminded me about, um, remember the baseball movie, Kevin Costner, where Moneyball? Yeah. Where he had the different owners uh, on the Brad phone. Brad Pitt? Oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the different owners on the phone, and he was trying to play oh, them yeah, against yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was doing that with his assistant passing yeah. the phone back. Tell him, tell him we got somebody to give him a better offer. Mm-hmm. And so he was, so they had him doing some sleazy stuff, and then you saw him get in the phone, and he called um, Katie Holmes, mm-hmm. who was his mistress. He, could, he took off his wedding ring because he was going to meet her at the hotel. They were trying to prove, establish that he was kind of a scumbag. He was a scumbag. And uh, so he calls her and says, oh, I'm going to you know, come to the hotel and don't, you know, don't let anybody see you. And you know, he's like, he wants his mistress, but he doesn't want anybody to catch him. So he's getting ready to step out of the phone booth, and the phone booth rings. And he picks it up, and he like, the guy starts talking to him, and he's like, what are you doing? Oh, he had, and then he had a pizza. He's like, "There's a pizza, yeah, coming for you." So, the the pizza delivery door knocks on the door, and the pizza guy. Oh, this is actually before the call, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the guy's like, "Here, I told the yeah, prepaid pizza. I was told to come here." And Colin Farrell's like, "What the fuck, dude?" <laughs> He's like, "I didn't order. Who orders a pizza at a phone booth?" <laughs> He's like, well, "It said to come here at this time, and there'll be a guy in there, and he gives him five bucks, to tell him to go fuck off." And yeah. so the guy goes away. And then that's when he's getting ready. He talks to Katie Holmes, get ready to leave, and the phone rings. Mm-hmm. And then Keith is like, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. I sent you a pizza, and you didn't even try it. And he's like, who the hell is this? And then slowly over the next, well, the next oh, <laughs> rest of the movie, the rest of the movie. Uh, he tells him, he's like, you're going you're gonna to confess your sins. 
you know, I know you're having and a... don't try to hang up the phone. Don't try to hang up the phone. And he's like, fuck you, I'm hanging up. He's like... So, remember Macy Gray, I think, was one of the prostitutes? I don't think it was Macy... No, it's not Macy Gray. Oh, it wasn't? It's the girl from uh, Hustle and Flow. She Gray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has yeah, one yeah, of my yeah, favorite yeah. lines in the whole movie where he hits her, her, hits her hand. He says, oh, you done hurt my dick hand. Yeah. So, basically, <laughs> the, it, the phone booth was one of the last phone booths and, uh, in New York. And it was right outside, like a porn theater. And so the prostitutes like had to get in there because they needed to use the phone to get their johns. And uh, what happened was, is Colin Farrell's like, get, "Fuck off!" So they go and bother the bouncer at the mm. porn theater. And the bouncer in the porn theater comes over and brings a baseball bat. He's like, "Look at these girls are busting my balls, man." Yeah. He's like, "I'll give you a hundred bucks. You just go away." He's like, "You gonna give me a hundred bucks to go away?" And finally, he just starts beating on the beating on the phone booth and uh what's his name on the other line he's like he's like don't hang up he's like don't hang up <laughs> and he's like i can take care of this right i can take care of it he's moments, like i can man. take care of this for you if you want me to and he's like all right and then all of a sudden the the uh, big bouncer guy grabs his throat yeah and you saw you heard the gun go off and it shot the bouncer and it shot the bouncer and yeah. the bouncer falls down dead and all the prostitutes like he shot him yeah he shot him i saw his gun and they call the cops and then Farf the movie can start out. Because Forrest Whitaker shows up <laughs> as the negotiator, uh, and he's like the one that figures out that who he's on the line with. Because yeah. it went through a series of like he hid the phone line trace; they couldn't trace the phone line. It's great to see Forrest in this. He does he makes such interesting choices for his movies. So you don't always get to see him play the random cop. You know, but yeah. you mm-hmm. did back in the day, but uh, this he had already been really huge at this point. So I'm surprised he came in and did it, but. You work with Joel Schumacher. I mean, half the reason people work with these big actors is just so they can work with those guys. So yeah, and this was a low key, like low locations. I mean, this that was, was it. That they had one scene at the end I mean, when wherever KB Home is, where I guess they had a location where they showed her on. She her was end. in a bar on yeah. her end of the phone, but she came down to the phone booth. So yeah. didn't his wife. His yeah. wife was at home watching it, and she came down. Yeah. It was fun, and they did it the route, the, the exact time it should be. I think it was like ninety minutes or something yeah. like that. You really can't that type of uh, clever kind of mm-hmm. uh, movie. You can't really yeah. push it too far. Had kind of cool uh, ending. Had a great ending. Won't uh, we it. won't. Uh, we won't ruin it. Uh, we do get to see it. I don't. I think we do get to see Kiefer's face at you one do. point. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, it was awesome, and this Colin Colin wasn't huge at this point. I mean, he already had done Minority Report, and I remember when he had done Minority Report, none of us knew who the fuck he was. Yeah. We were like, who the hell yeah, is yeah. that guy that's fighting fucking uh, Tom Cruise in that Spielberg movie? And at that point, it went crazy, and then he took off with The Recruit, and then uh, obviously Phone Booth and all that, and now he's now he's playing cool roles, man. Like in that Guy Ritchie movie, he plays the brawler who's just in charge of the muscle and everything. In uh, Bruges is God, one that I liked. In Bruges, he's so good. That might be my favorite Colin barrel one and everything <laughs> so you good. don't want to go up there why because you're fucking elephants <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh really funny uh yeah phone booth that's a great one man we, we used to watch that one all the time back in the 90s like i said that used to be me and my friend matt's lines it's oh you done hurt my dick hand <laughs> <laughs> really great uh all right my next one and it was going to be number three but i'm gonna make it number four since you brought forrest whitaker into the uh, uh into the picture so my question to you is, do you know everything there is to know about the crying game? Boom. Crying game. 1992. I had an entire we conversation this about this movie with Maria last recently? night. Recently? Last night? Yes. Oh, that is well, no, because look at number one. On yours? I don't know. On what, mine. I don't know what's number one. You'll have to show me. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Ray. That's right. And so I had noticed that, too. It isn't that. 
weird that I had that conversation. Yeah, but it is pretty weird. But it, it is pretty weird because this is a random movie. We saw this in the 90s not knowing what it was. We heard there was a big shock in it, and there was a big shock. If you told me in the 90s this movie has a big shock in it, I watched it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a big shock, but it really didn't affect the movie a whole no, hell of a no, lot. No, no. That was my this, wife's stance on it last uh, night. Because I asked, but her, it was when you look at it, and we're going to ruin what the surprise is. Because if you don't know what the the surprise in the crying game is now, you haven't been paying attention to pop culture over the last yeah, twenty years because it has, a, has been known it's as. Been but it's probably the first satirized. Uh, yeah, it's been satirized before, and uh, but there's so much going on in this movie, and I really enjoyed it, and I've owned it for a long time, and so it's got Forrest Whitaker, you got Stephen Ray, you got Jay Davidson, and you got uh, Miranda Richardson, which I was surprised to find out isn't related to the other Richardson. She's not uh, related to Natasha Richardson or uh, the the other really famous one uh miranda is the one from spider which we mm-hmm. haven't talked about a lot on here we're gonna have to work in spider here i was thinking about it for the wild card but you need to really Cat watch john it again. hurt was cra- character uh, in that was crazy uh, well everyone's character in that was crazy but uh yeah miranda richardson was great in that she was great in uh, legend of sleepy hollow she was the oh, crazy yeah. blonde mm-hmm. woman in that she always plays a nut hunting bar so at the beginning Probably of this movie uh Miranda Richardson is like flirting with Forrest Whitaker. They're at like an outdoor carnival. It's been a while since you've seen this. Wow. At, since the theater? Have you seen it since the theater? I've seen it since the theater, right. but it's been 20 years. Uh, it's directly dealing with the British and the IRA yeah. kind of uh, um, feud that they've been having since they existed. <laughs> so, is, that, is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Forrest Whitaker is a British soldier, and he is being like drawn into. Uh, uh, by Miranda Richardson, who's do like hanging on him and taking him off to the side of a carnival to have sex with him. And when she, they end up laying down on the ground, kind of near the beach and everything. And he, they're starting to fool around. And all of a sudden, Stephen Ray and uh, a whole bunch of people pull guns and out and put a hood over Forrest Whitaker's head and bring him to this like solo cabin. And they were like, they tell him straight up, we're the, we're the IRA. They have one of our guys. We got one of you guys. They're gonna, uh, we're gonna try to get a trade and everything. And Forrest doing a great Great British Seems accent fair. too. What's that? Seems fair. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> he all he, he understands what's going on at least Forrest Whitaker, and they leave Stephen Ray, and he was uh, it was a good chunk of the movie. The first yeah, half yeah. hour mm-hmm. dealt with it because they wanted you to see the relationship Stephen Ray had with Forrest Whitaker. They end up getting this. Uh, they go. They're very talkative to each other, so they get to know each other and mm-hmm. learn stuff about each other. They have this great funny moment. It's where not something you should do he, if you're holding someone kidnapped. Yeah. Well, there's this great. They actually bond on this weird moment too, uh, where he takes. Takes him out to take a piss, and he he doesn't want to untie his hands. He says, "Well, you're gonna have to take my dick out." And he, he, yeah. he says, "Oh God!" And he says, "Just do it, man." And, and so he does it. He reaches in his pants, pulls his dick out, and he's like, "You're gonna have to put it back now." <laughs> and they just start laughing about the whole situation and everything. And it, it's a weird thing to bond on, but that's kind of what they bonded on. And so they get back to the place, and they're they're calling each other by names. He's leaving his hood off, which he shouldn't. The, the other, other ones I, get pissed. The at other IRA people get pissed, and and. Every once in a while, Miranda Richardson will walk in, and Vars is pissed because she, he's been dating her for like two weeks, basically, to, uh, uh, leading up to this. So he realized she's a scumbag. And Forrest Whitaker's like, I know you're going to kill me. He says, I know you're going to kill me. He says, what, when you kill me, he says, reach into my pocket. He says, pull up my wallet, and you see the picture of my girl in there, and they show a uh, picture of Jay Davison. Jay Davison was gorgeous uh, in this movie. He had great hair, and he says, that's my girlfriend. You go and uh, find her and tell her that I love her. And, uh, and <laughs> But he was cheating on her? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell her the details. Don't tell her the cheating part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he says, all right, I'll, I'll do that for you, uh, but it, I think things are going to turn out all right. So they, they give him the order. They told Stephen Ray, you got to take him to the woods and everything, and uh, 
there's some great moments where Forrest Whitaker's uh, looking your heart. He's telling him some <laughs> stories about nature. He tells him that story of the scorpion on top of the, oh, the, uh, frog. the frog's back and everything. It's a, par- the, it's a parable. Yeah, it's a great parable where he was like, you know, nature. <laughs> it's it's in my nature, you know, to do that. And that's what uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker always said. He says, "You guys with the IRA, you're always going to do this." He says, "It's in your nature. I get it." So when they're in the woods, he's like, "You do you have it in you to shoot me in the back?" So Forrest Whitaker just takes off and then ends up exiting the woods and just immediately gets. Uh, killed by a fucking uh like an army truck mm-hmm. who comes out and starts firing at Stephen Ray Stephen Ray like dashes through the woods but they get back to the hideout and they kill everyone but Miranda Richardson and like one other person and the movie kind of changes mm-hmm. Stephen Ray uh just changes his They're identity kind of in hiding at that point What's that? They went into hiding at that point. The other right? two went into hiding and then uh he just wanted to be away from the whole thing so he went to where uh Forrest Whitaker's girl was, and uh, he changed his name to Jimmy, and he shows up at the bar. Uh, Jim Broadbent was the uh, the bartender. He was great in it. You know, the guy from uh, uh, Gangs of New York. Uh, Which one? The the one who ran the city. He was oh, like Tammany Hall dude? Yeah, the Tammany yeah. Hall guy. Yeah, he was really great. <laughs> All really appearance thin. of the law must be <laughs> upheld yeah. to the sternest form, especially while it's being broken. <laughs> <laughs> he was thin in this movie, man. He must have gained really? like 60, 70 pounds right when this movie was over, because uh, I've always known him as a really big guy. But he was really thin, and they had some great back and forth with him and Jay Davison. So just to break it down, Jay Davison was a singer. She's uh, the her name is Dill and she's a singer and he ends up getting to know her and he g- goes back to her house sees all the pictures of Forrest Whitaker over the all over the place doesn't want to tell her anything what's going on <laughs> I killed your man Start, starts to fall in love with her and everything and then the the shocking part uh, spoiler alert is when they're they're making out she goes in the other room she puts a robe on she comes back and she drops her robe and boom it's a dude uh, <laughs> so Crazy, it, it was very uh, and probably was one of the big first trans movies and everything because or at least uh, mainstream for sure and. He, he got upset at first, and then he ca- came around to it, and then uh, w- w- was almost all right with it. And and I, you don't really know where it was going to go until Miranda Richardson showed back up and said, "It took a while to find you. You you fought, you." Uh, He's trying, uh, trying to dip on us, and he says, we're going to kill a judge here in, in town what? and everything. And then they see that he's dating uh, uh, this girl, Dylan, and, and said, we're going to kill him. her if you don't uh, do this. And it was some exciting, like, shooting in the streets when uh, he was supposed to show up at the uh, uh, at the place where they were going to take the judge down, and he didn't show up. So they had to make a move. So he, the one guy just ran across the street with an Uzi, started shooting everything. So it was really exciting. But man, Jay Davidson, this was nominated for a lot of Oscars, and a lot of people don't know uh, who did the title tracks. The title uh, track was Boy George. Yeah, yep. Uh, and it was really good. The song got pretty big after a while. I think it was nominated for best song also. Uh, but yeah, like the the trans element was such a small part of it, but it became but it a huge. Overshadowed it, it. it overshadowed a lot of it too, and it was it was told in a very favorable uh, way of trans people too. So it was it was probably the first pro trans movie. There's been several that's like anti trans uh, back in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, I'm sure. But uh, in the early nineties, this was a really great one. And a lot of people forget that James Davison's done two movies. That's it. He did this, and he did Stargate. And then he went back to being a fashion assistant <laughs> in London, and so he's only done two movies, and they were both. And he was fantastic in them. He was fantastic as that character Adil in this movie, and he was so good as uh, it, as he was very Ra. gender fluid as Ra too. Yeah, yeah, he was very. He had a very uh, androgynous uh, androgynous look, look to him. Uh, that he, he he looked just like a beautiful, beautiful uh, person. 
And uh, he's very small. He's like 5'3". And he didn't even want to do the raw roll after uh, the uh, crying game. I'm sure he got some uh, flack off it, but he got a lot of notice. And they were throwing scripts at him after that because he got nominated for it. I think he got like seven or eight nominations that movie. And a lot of people didn't see it. A lot of people knew, found out what it was and was turned off by it. Don't get turned off by that. That's stupid. That's, it's, first of all, it's such a small part of the movie. And, and it's a great uh, element in the movie, I thought. Uh, but... They said that he uh, he asked for like an ungodly amount at the time for him to get anything to do that raw role. He asked for like a million or two million dollars. And they and they said they him? gave it to him, so he did it. And then after that, he was out. He said, "I'm going back to be a fashion assistant," and I think that's what he's doing now. It's still in London, so I always find it you interesting can do that what some your, people can do, man. Until you drop, he just must not have liked like the, the life. Behind you know? the scene, probably just doesn't like to be. Yeah, in the spot, it's not for everybody. Spotlight. Oh my god, it's not for everybody. I mean, some you, people crave it, and yeah. some people. Run away from it. Like there's, if you've done real work. I don't know why you don't crave it. <laughs> well, look at. I mean, we make the same. I make the same comment about uh, McBranis. Yeah. Well, he's he's filthy rich. He, he could live off just the residual checks. Yeah, but I, I tell you what. It, even if you gave me two million dollars, I could live off that. And that's I probably could, what yeah, the, yeah, probably sure. what that guy made. Plus the fashion assistant. He probably was oh, a superstar sure after that. Shit, yeah. Like this is Jay Davidson. Yeah. Man, so. He's like. He must be a great fashion assistant. If he I'd chose love for to someone that. to talk him into coming back. He had done like a little short on something, but it wasn't a movie, he, like a little documentary short or something like that. But other than those two movies, it was the only thing he did. And I thought he was absolutely phenomenal in it. So, yeah, if you haven't seen The Crying Game, check it out. It's a lot better than you think it is. You got. I'll stick with uh, Stephen Ray, I guess. Shit, yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna bounce off one. I don't know <laughs> if I got one that will bounce off of that one, but talk about depressing subject matter. <laughs> This is a serial killer movie called Citizen X. Ooh, it is depressing. HBO movie. Yeah. Yep. Based off on of HBO a, long time a ago. real, the, one of the first most prolific, probably, maybe to this day, yeah. one of the more prolific serial killers. Do we have a, a body count? 52 children and women. Ooh. And they were... This, this, Boys some, and girls. There was some difficult scenes in this movie. There was movie. some very difficult scenes. They just did a lot the of the... realism They did a lot real. of the death scenes by just... Watching, you saw a kid fall to the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was it. But yeah. then they actually showed a couple, and one of them was tough. Yeah. I fast forwarded probably two or three times through this, through just for like Some 10 seconds. Uncomfortable rape in it. Yeah. And just, it, yeah, it, it, it's difficult, but it was an interesting story so for sure. Basically, this is like right before the. So let me get my dates right. Russians. Russian, right? Yeah. all in Russia. Um, it, from the guy was doing this from like the early 70s. To the mid to early nineties, yeah, and uh, he had been do- so he'd been doing it for a long, long time. So it started old when we were watching this movie. He I was mean, old. He, he was old. I yeah, mean, he was in his fifties, maybe sixties. Really? Yeah, it's got to be sixties. It was the guy. So the guy who played him was the guy from the Green Mile, also the guy from Mist. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's also on Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, super good. They uh, like aged him too. Yeah, yeah. they did age him. Uh, Donald Sutherland. Jeffrey Demond or something. Donald like Sutherland that. was Stephen Ray was the was the forensic guy, the medical examiner. Donald Sutherland was his boss. But and then it had every every bad guy Russian in every movie was <laughs> part of the committee that was overseeing the investigation. So the reason why there was such a this is such a fascinating story yeah, Jeffrey is because the the Russian party was like serial killers exist only in Western countries. Where they're decadent. Yeah. They don't there's no such Make thing as fits. serial Make killer. Fit something else. Yeah. But then they kept pulling body after body after body after yeah. body out of the woods. 
And um, so Donald Sutherland had to finally face the fact that he needed to get uh, Stephen Ray, who was the medical examiner, Mm -hmm. promoted to like a detective and then just basically let him conduct. But it it took decades or a decade, something crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Like people were out of their positions by the time like it's yeah well the, like, <laughs> the Soviet union fell yeah. towards the end of the movie <laughs> and then he got even more of what he wanted yeah because the walls were coming down mm-hmm. um but basically they had determined that these kids were either runaways or transients and that he was picking them up at the bus at the train stations yeah. and then taking them to the nearby woods near the train stations yeah. killing them so they had like was he was he killing him, then raping him? Was it was like a necrophilia thing yeah. going on? Uh, yeah. Like sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the cool part of this is like they so they had no he, Stephen Ray wanted to talk to the FBI. He's like, the FBI tests for hundreds of things that we don't test for, and yeah. I want to talk to the FBI. And they're like, the one thing that the Russians will never do is admit the West has a, a better way of doing better, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. So <laughs> there was a huge amount of red tape. Donald Sutherland kind of knew that. Yeah. Um so once the wall fell, they let him talk to a Russian psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Max von Sydow comes on the movie at that point. I totally forgot he was in this. Yeah, and, he had uh, a small role. Yeah. He had he had a good role though. Yeah. He had the pivotal end role that actually that got him the guy to confess. Yeah. He had written a paper about him, and so Max von Sydow. So <coughs> ah, coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> so they get so they finally catch him by posting people undercover cops. So what they did is they put cops at, like, 15 of the train stations, and then three they left empty mm-hmm. and just put undercover cops. So they knew that he would go to the other ones trying to pick up kids and see the cop presence or military presence, and he would go to the ones that didn't. So they finally caught him, and uh, he wouldn't admit to it. And <coughs> he was like that Golden State killer who's just got so many things I think under they his had, belt. Yeah, when they had evidence against him, but they wanted him to admit it, and he wouldn't. So they brought Max von Sydow in to read him his paper. Yeah. So he was talking about he him in the first person yeah. he was listening to Max von Sydow. Tell him he's probably got sexual, sexual dysfunction. Yeah. And, this and, and then he you know he starts hitting some notes. He's like, this woman seems like you knelt over her and ejaculated. Like it was yeah. even the stories were difficult to listen to. Yeah, yeah. And um, he just eventually breaks down. And it was funny because really he was a family good. man. He had kids. Had a wife. And I went to a job every day. He was emasculated at his job. His boss was, like, terrible. Such a great role for Jeffrey DeMunn, too. He usually plays not that guy. I mean, plays Dale from... Uh, he was the guy that had the RV on uh, Walking yeah. Dead. Mm-hmm. He's very likable uh, character and everything. And to see him play that role as that Russian serial killer, it's got to be interesting just to when you decide to sign your name on the contract to play a serial killer like that and when you do it really really well yeah i mean mean, they did some crazy one of the crazy rape scenes in a crane pull away but it was still yeah it was difficult i remember watching it late at night on park street up in uh up on up north and uh i always liked it i always thought it was a great detective i mean i'm fascinated with serial killer just the that deviant sect of society and and it's a lot of people, uh, we know about the ones in America, but we don't know about the ones overseas, you know, and, and this was one of the biggest, I guess this was the biggest Russian serial killer ever, but he, he must have rivaled that Golden State because Golden State, is, his number's around yeah. 40 or 50. I mean... Could be even more, but he's... And he big. was crazy because he didn't kill everybody. That, yeah. He had, he has like 19 rapes that didn't end up with yeah, him killing that's the why they had the victims. It's like, his, how uh, the heck can you... Like... It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. All right, yeah, Citizen X, check it out.
All right, speaking of serial killers, I'll go that route myself. This one's a lot more of a fun, interesting take on the serial killer than uh, than Dave's is. And this was 2009's The Lovely Bones. Lovely Bones. <laughs> I love The Lovely Bones, man. I, I, Mom read the book. I haven't read the book, and I, I hear the book's amazing, too. It's about uh, uh, what Susie Salmon it played brilliantly by uh, by Saoirse Ronan, who is huge now. She was... Uh, uh, she was pretty big back during the Lovely Bones, but this is kind of what kind of set her off, and then she's done so many stuff and was great in Little Women and all, all the other stuff she was in. Uh, what was that one where she's in the uh, where Eric Bana is treating her to be uh, training her to be a soldier in the woods with Hannah? Oh, Hannah, Hannah. she was really good. <laughs> My favorite thing with her was the Saturday Night Live. She did the opening, the cold opening on Saturday Night Live. I can't remember it. Where. Everybody was coming up and congratulating her, and nobody was getting her name right. Yeah, I had to look it up. I, I learned it like uh, a year ago. I remember I was like, I got to know this girl. I, you're how to say saying this girl it right, name. but there's even an inflection that she does that you don't. Oh, probably do, like an Irish inflection. Yeah, yeah. She's very Irish. You hear her voice. Very she very Irish, rarely like, uses it. It seems she didn't in love. Well, 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 caravan with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like one of the pikeys. Yeah. Uh, so in this movie, this is Peter Jackson, the guy who directed uh, all Lord of the Rings, you know, the Hobbits and everything, and and he, people forget he's done some really great stuff like the Frightened. And meet the Feebles. Was, uh, meet Don't the forget Feebles. that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome get movie. Meet the Feebles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, talk about. Oh, oh, we there's some scenes out of that I had to fast forward yeah, yeah. with the rabbit. That, that seems like Citizen <laughs> X is like a. Yeah. Watch that to kindergarten students oh. compared to Meet the Feebles. <laughs> All right. So in Lovely Bones, you've got uh, Mark Wahlberg's in it, Rachel Weiss is in it. Um, uh, Stanley Tucci, the best role Stanley Tucci's ever played. Maybe. Creepy as hell, man. So creepy. I just watched this last night, so I, uh, it's very fresh in my memory. So what's going on, and you find out early in the movie, I think it, like one of the first lines is, I was like 14 when I was murdered. So you knew at the beginning of the movie that she's going to get murdered. Or narrating and it. So, so what we're seeing is we're seeing it from two different perspectives. We're almost seeing it from three different perspectives. So at the beginning of the movie, she's not she's not dead yet. It, it kind of goes in a, a very narrative way, other than she narrates it uh, from like the end to at the beginning. And so she's um, she's talking to uh, she's, uh, we get to see her just doing her her normal life in this normal Pennsylvania kind of suburban area, and she's living her life with her sister and her little brother and her her parents, which are Mark Wahlberg and Rachel Weiss. And uh, down, like, two houses down the street is the weird Stanley Tucci. And at one point, you see him take his, like, notebook out, and he starts drawing these schematics for something. And you soon realize that he's building uh, almost like this underground bunker, and he decides to do it in the middle of a cornfield. Puts the lotion so, uh, in the basket. Uh, yeah, so he, <laughs> he builds this whole thing, and it was creepy, man. I'm watching it last night. I forget how the, the creepy elements were because uh, she's such a sweet girl, and there's some great scenes. I love the scene where she steals her dad's uh, Mustang because she's got to bring her brother to the hospital because he stops breathing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's, like, racing through the streets and everything, and she's got these great moments where they're uh, having dinner at home and everything. It's just normal kid's life. And she's coming home from school, and she decides to cut through the... Uh, uh, she just met like the boy of her dreams. She was going to meet him Saturday night, and it was going to be awesome. And uh, she was a freshman, and he was a senior. So she's like on cloud nine, and she ends up coming across Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci, in the cornfield. And like every crazy, creepy kidnapper, he's like, "Hey, you want to come see this?" And she's <laughs> Does like, this "I really can't." Smell like chloroform, dude. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "I got to go home for dinner. I can't go." And he's like, "Oh, I was just excited for someone to see it. It's for the neighborhood kids, and I, I was hoping you might be the first one to see it." And he, she's like, oh, really? And she, she walks Kids, over to where listening. he is, and 
she had that opportunity to walk away. He yep. shows her like the uh, like the the hatch, and she can see there's an underground thing, and there's toys down there, and there's a, it's like in the it takes place in the 70s too. So you, you see all these old toys and books and everything, and she ends up going down there. She knows his name. She knows him as the guy that lives down the street, and she had earlier kind of. Uh, uh, remember on her bike, she was mm-hmm. taking pictures of her while he was talking to her and uh, their parents while they were looking at his roses. And that's when it happens. She tries to get away. He grabs her, and uh, they cut away. We don't see it actually happen. But they, what this is where the movie becomes kind of fantastical in a way because we're seeing her in kind of purgatory, and she's kind of in the in between. And like time goes by, like th- this, like a year goes by, and she's watching uh, and. What's interesting is she has interactions occasionally where she can uh, do something to in purgatory, the in-between, that will affect the real world. Like there's a scene where their dad lights a like candle. Like poltergeist, she can move the chairs across yeah, the Yeah, something similar like that. There's, there's a scene where uh, she screams. She's, she's watching in the purgatory. She's watching Stanley Tucci like in the tub washing up after she kills him and she screams and the straight razor falls off the sink and everything from the scream or there's a scene where Mark Wahlberg is lighting a candle for her in the window and she makes the room super super bright and he's staring in the window and he swears she could see her or there's this crazy girl in town that can see ghosts that saw her run past her so she knows something's up with this uh, so what's interesting is she she's not moving forward into heaven. She's staying in the in-between because she she wants her murder to be solved, especially when the movie really takes off at about an hour in, where Stanley Tucci gets that itch again, and he starts looking Always at... He starts looking at... Saoirse Ronan's sister. sister and her sister's like really athletic and like she's a, a track star and everything and, and her sister's also looking at Stanley Tucci says what's going on with this creepy house here I'm getting weird feelings about this house and uh, her father is trying to have uh, uh, she's dealing with the investigator who's played by Michael Imperiali who's really uh, great in this movie and uh, he becomes friends with the family and it's like year after year he's, he's still holding on to this thing and it, the uh, it starts pointing the fingers all start to point at Stanley Tucci at least for the sister, and there's some really intense stuff. One of the best scenes in the movie is where uh, Stanley Tucci leaves his house, and you think you think he's about to kind of uh, you know he's planning to build something. He's building a blind, uh, presumably to like build it, and when she's on one of her runs to jump out, snatch her, and uh, and kill her. And uh, you see her, and you were you were worried about her, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, she's gonna break into his house, and it's awesome. It's one of those scenes where she breaks into his house. Else. He's somewhere else. He's coming. coming back. He's coming home while she's upstairs, and she mm. finds this thing in his floorboard. She finds a loose floorboard and pulls out, oh, pulls out like a uh, he kept? something like that. It, it's like a book. It's like a photo album. She but found Dexter slides through it, and <laughs> all the like uh, schematics to all the stuff he's built, and all the names to the people that she's he's done it to, and then she flips a page, and it's her sister picture with a lock of her hair and then all of a sudden she drops that little floorboard and it makes a noise and Stanley Tucci's running upstairs she has to like bolt outside the fucking window she like dives through the window <coughs> and fly, flies to the ground and, and chasing this home this was and, good I remember this oh, it was intense man very very kind of uh, satisfying but also uh Suspenseful, man. Kiss the girls. There's a really great scene, and especially those scenes where she's on the in between, and you're seeing they do some really great. I mean, Peter Jackson's unable to do a movie without putting a shitload of special effects. I'm having some special effect in here. Really good. There's a great scene where she is discovering all the different girls who he's killed. Uh, She she goes to a uh, 
she's taking one corner and she sees like a hand and she says this this is her name and she was killed in this point of time so there was a point where she was going to go to heaven and she was in a group with all the girls that Stanley Tucci killed she and, held the and, things up and they're <laughs> they're on their way to the light and everything and she stops and then the uh, the one girl that she's the one Asian girl that she's kind of close with is turning back and she's like why aren't you coming with us and she's like it's not over yet it's close and that's because <laughs> she, she still has to get Stanley Tucci man and ah it's such a fun interesting movie which it's also wrapped into the a kind of a disturbing child kidnapping uh movie so if, if you want <laughs> if you want that but want it to be palatable for most people to watch lovely bones is the way to yeah. do it because it, it it's good for most audiences but when you really break down the subject matter it's kind of dark super dark super to be dark. honest with you but the, they at least spared us of watching her get her, killed kind of had like a very stir of echoes yeah feel to remember it. the scene where uh you, you know she's in the uh like uh the big safe and he brings it to the uh he brings the safe to the uh, what do you call it? Um, sinkhole. There's a sinkhole. Everyone j- dumps their oh, like, yeah, old yeah, furniture, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he's flipping it over, and you're like, "Oh, you know, she's in there." It's, uh, suspenseful as hell, man. Really good. And if you if you like Peter Jackson, and you want something that he does that doesn't involve orcs or uh, goblins and, and elves <laughs> and stuff like that, check out The Lovely Bones or Meet the Feebles. No, <laughs> don't <laughs> check do out it. Meet the Feebles. Don't do it. Don't. There's like ten movies you got to watch before <laughs> you can watch Meet the Feebles, like. Just so we know you're emotionally and mentally prepared. You gotta prepare yourself like for that. Like Natural Born Killers, you have to have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream, you had to have seen that movie. Maybe Blue Velvet. So there's <laughs> definitely Bad Lieutenant. There's uh, some movies you gotta work your way. You gotta work your way up. Uh, we got we gotta know you can handle Meet the Feebles. That's true. All right. If you go from Muppets Take Manhattan to oh, it's a there's Plague Dogs and then there's Meet yeah, the Feebles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Number two. All right, number two. Uh, let's. Just Let's go with the great Mark Harmon in Presidio. Oh, man, Presidio. This used to be all the time on HBO, and I've seen it back in the day, but I don't remember shit about it. I just remember Mark Harmon's in it, Meg Ryan, and Connery, right? Sean Connery. So, basically, they're they're on an army base. San Francisco? San Francisco. Army, some army base in San Francisco. And you're out out on patrol with this girl that... uh, She's a soldier, uh-huh. and uh, she's like, oh, I saw two lovers in Lover's Lane. I guess it's a sprawling area that there's military police. Yeah. So she was military police. So she sees that the officer's club is broken into. She goes inside the officer's club, and she gets shot and killed. Next thing you know, Mark Harmon, who's a uh, San Francisco detective, detective yeah. he gets assigned to go over there because he is retired military. He's made a career out of doing this type of role now. Yeah, because so he's done what? Was he NCIS? I've he's never seen on one episode of NCIS. I with haven't him. either, but I know he's been on it for like twenty years. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so he shows up, and uh, he—it's somebody he knew mm-hmm. from when he was there because he was the executive officer oh, okay. at that base. The dead girl, somebody knows. Yeah, dead girl, somebody knows. Um, but they're like, this is going to be a joint task force because it happened on military property. So it's one of those things. Of course. So, who's the guy that buttonheads in tra- charge? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. So Sean Connery's like, I guess, didn't really like him that much. <laughs> and uh, Sean and then Mark Harmon sort of shows up at his house, and Meg Ryan answers the door, and Mark Harmon like does this whole like, "You're gonna go to dinner with me tonight," like being really forceful. <laughs> And aggressive, and she was like, "I'm gonna go to dinner with you," but she knew it was piss off Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> so there's was Sean Connery, or like dad, her dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. So um, it's funny. The guy from uh, 
remember that movie where Jaina Carvey posed as being somebody who wasn't any, Opportunity Knocks? Yeah. Yeah. The the father. Robert Loja? Was it Robert Loja? Yeah, Robert Loja was her dad okay. that he was close to. Pull up this movie for me. Unless you're talking about the old guy that was teaching him the ropes. No. I'll look up here. Anyways, he uh he was on the military base too and he, he oh, was Oh you're talking about Jack Warden? Jack Warden. Yeah. He was friends. What movie was I thinking of? Uh what movie did you say? I said Opportunity Knocks, but it's no, kind of like that. No, Jack Warden. I mean, Problem Child. Uh, no. <laughs> Jack Warden's been in a lot. I'll think about what you possibly are thinking of, but oh, so it's it becomes a, sin. it becomes know. a murder mystery, and you find out they start following people around. You find out that they were breaking into the officers' club because they were after something, but you didn't know what they were after. Wait, several people. Several. It was a conspiracy. So what they were doing is. The, this was the, where the flights came in, mm-hmm. this military base. So they were smuggling stuff from over in, like, Ooh, Air Thailand, America. <laughs> Air America style, yeah. like in coffins or, what, or, yeah, yeah. or in bags, and people on the military base were in on it. How many times shit's been, like, been revealed because one person gets killed doing something random? Yeah, doing know? something random, and it kind of uh, untangles the spider's it, web yeah. of deceit, and you find out more and more people are involved. How much was Connery in it? He, he was joined the task force, so it was him and and Mark Harmon trying to solve this murder. They're a good and chunk of it, huh? The whole movie. Oh, cool. So I don't remember it because I, I remember just like who was in it, and I remember the feel. It's of good it. to see. I won't ruin the ending. It is yeah, no, don't ruin the ending because it, it, I remember it being uh, really interesting and good. And Mark Harmon, man, I haven't seen Mark Harmon do. I mean, my Mark Harmon summer, summer school, man. <laughs> so I'm always whenever I think Mark Harmon, I still think Goofy Mark Harmon. And, he was sort of he, more he like got out of that goofiness. Yeah, he was more like the Tom Cruise arrogant. I'm good looking. You're yeah. gonna. And then he's played that guy in NCIS for so long that I think he's just that guy now. He as an actor, I bet you, that he, paycheck is you, good though. Oh God, man, he goes home every night and gets to see his family. So. It, it's it's a good gig, I'm sure, but I I miss seeing him in movies. But there isn't a whole lot of movies you can even pull out Mark Harmon's name in that that wasn't TV. He really the only made thing that I switch. could the only reason I could if I could do a movie and make like enough money to not do another movie for yeah. three years, then Jay it would Davis be worth <laughs> then it would be worth doing a movie. But it, just I don't know, doing it all the time like TV shows. Yeah, I mean it's just like a normal job. But I mean TV uh, shows it seems like he's when, probably he, getting, when someone gets tired of doing movies. Yeah, but he's they getting like probably a million dollars a year. A year? I think they go by episodes. <laughs> no. no, I know, but I can't imagine he, he gets he a million probably, dollars. An no, episode. he probably makes a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand an episode, though. I would imagine. And it, how many episodes do they do with that types of shows? Probably twenty per season. <sighs> More than I that. I mean, probably. so I mean, you, you got to think the Big Bang guys. I mean, that was huge. So it's a little they were different. Getting a million but episodes, they were getting a million, a million time, and a half though. an episode. Right. So. For NCIS, a show that's been on that long, I mean, I'm sure and, he's got And those it. leads are sort of replaceable. And people, if you love that type of show, that's your show. I don't I don't get it. It's not my thing. I don't like uh, network TV shows, and they just not as... <laughs> if I'm going to watch that show, I want to watch The Wire, man. I don't want to yeah. watch the fucking... I don't sanitize uh, the edited, I don't want, yeah, the sanitized version of what it could have been great on HBO. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I don't want to watch that. I but. almost never <laughs> want the sanitized version of anything. Yeah, I don't want to. Bring on Meet the Feebles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch any goddamn Muppets. I... <laughs> Want to watch Meet the Feebles? Yeah. <laughs> All right, this next one, man, and this one I always loved, and this was another one that I discovered. It wasn't on Park Street that I discovered. I think I discovered it in Port Charlotte. We had like uh, I either rented it or I watched it late night or something, and I watched it, and I was like, "How the hell did I not know this movie? Because it's been out forever." And this was 1981's Southern Comfort. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love Southern when Comfort. When they're in the swamps? Man. Yeah, it, yeah. Very deliverance it's, style. Yeah. Yep. No one gets raped in it. So that's the only difference between yep. it. But you're dealing They had with, to cut that seat out. Yeah, you're dealing with hillbillies and you're dealing with uh, arrogant people being in some, were on like, someone um, else's land. They were like reserves. Reserves. And they had to go out for their two weeks of uh, yep. and they were, training. They had a big. Uh, they were given machine guns without any ammunition, but they had blanks. So you could shoot blanks out of it. And they were like, they Which, looked like heavy machine guns. But what was impressive You could shoot this it movie, at me once. So yeah, this was. <laughs> very Louisiana, very in the bayou. Uh, the actors in this were incredible. All right, mm-hmm. so let me try it. I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna forget somebody. <laughs> but you got Powers Booth. Yep. You got Keith Carradine. He's Powers Booth. The one that went nuts, right? Uh, no, he didn't go nuts. He one was, of them went completely batshit Remo. crazy. Remo okay. went crazy. So you got Powers Booth. You got Keith Carradine. You have Fred Ward, Remo Williams. You have you know the guy from uh, the Heavenly Kid. Yeah, uh, he, the dad, the one that died in the uh, yeah, the guy, the car. guy that looked like the Fonz. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in this. He was the one who made That's the right. bonehead move. Yeah, you get that big guy from um, what's that Carol O'Connor TV show that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Bubba. Yeah, the big guy Bubba yeah. from yeah, uh, he's great. What, what's the name of that? Uh, uh, he he, he the night. night. Yeah, he was big. He was he, he was, was he went good crazy. old Southern boy. He went crazy in this. So that might be the crazy one you're thinking. One of. somebody went batshit crazy. He went crazy and like let the boats go or did like, yeah yeah. He set the whole house on yeah. fire. Uh, so he Bubba's the one who went crazy. I know there's a couple other people I'm missing on. That, but even the bad guys, like the guys who played the hillbillies, one of them was Brian James, who was uh, the guy from Blade Runner. Uh, Wake yep. up, time to die, yeah. or from the horror Ice show. Man. You also got Sonny from uh, the guy who plays Billy from The Predator, the big Native American mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, and then you've got that that big guy who teaches all the NFL. To, uh, oh yeah, to guys, yeah, yeah. You know what with I'm the mustache. About? Yeah, I gotta know his name, man. I always know him as the guy who teaches NFL. Uh, anybody that does He's an great. NFL movie, but they all had like long hair, and Brian James had that great uh, Louisiana accent. So what happens is they go on this uh, retreat patrol. and they, they split up into different platoons. And, the, and the, that cast I just mentioned is in that one particular pl- platoon. And they get to a point and they realize they're checking their maps. They're not familiar with the swamp. They realize, oh, we have to go across this river here. And it's going to take us a day unless we borrow these canoes we see outside the back of the shack. And they're like, well, we're not going to steal the canoes. And he's like, we're not going to take a day to do it when we can do it in an hour. He says, well, and they uh, oh uh, the big uh, major guy in this movie was uh, Peter Coyote. Peter Coyote ran the whole uh, the group of the he was the platoon commander yep. basically, and he was he was going back and forth and they were like he was like yeah I do want to save the time and it would be a bitch. He says all right. He tells Bubba he says go write a note. Write him a note and tell him we'll borrow him and we're going to return him. So they get out into the water, and they're about halfway there, and they look over, and the the, uh, the owners of the boats, the hillbillies that uh, are at that shack, Brian James and the other two, are on the edge of the uh, the river, and they were, like, screaming, we're going to return him. Check the note. We left the note. And then all of a sudden that guy from Heavenly Kid uh, raises his machine gun and shoots at them. And you, you wouldn't, there would be no reason to think that, that wasn't real live ammo. So they hit the deck, and then they come up, and boom, they shoot Peter Haggerty yep. in the face. Yep. It blow his head off, the commander yep. and everything. And they're great. like, they're freaking out. They jump out of the thing. They drag him onto the canoes, and they just book it to the other side. And at that point, it's game on. Yep. It's, it's unprepared reserves against the hillbillies against the hillbillies that know the, know the entire swamp. Oh, God, it was so good, man. And then you got to see them starting to turn on each other because Remo's a dick. Bubba's losing his mind. It was hot as Powers hell. Booth is like the new guy that wants to kind of control everything and uh the rational one is kind of keith carradine and that all of a sudden they're all start getting picked off one of the uh one at a time they come across brian james's shack <coughs> and they they hold him hostage they they grab him they tie him up 
And before they know what happens, that uh, the guy from In the Heat of the Night, uh, Bubba, uh, whoa, the guy uh, played uh, Bubba in the Heat of the Night, sets his whole cabin on fire. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? And Brian James is just looking on his house and all his things are getting burned up. And you, you kind of can't blame the no. uh, the hillbillies. I you mean, came they came into their land and, and did this to us. It, and they thought they were getting shot at. They thought they were retaliating for, for something that uh, you were trying to kill them. And... Uh, Great scene where Remo and Powers Booth have to go, uh, like mano a mano uh, against each other with knives in the swamp. They turn on each other, and what was intense about it is Brian James has still got his hands bound, but he's there in the scene rooting on Powers Booth. Kill him, stab him, stab him, and then Powers Booth kills Remo Williams and everything. So that now they're not only going crazy and doing things, they're killing each other. It gets all the way down. It's deteriorated to like last just a few of them. Twenty right? minutes is great because. Uh, Brian James uh, they were he, trying to get to the road Remo right? was going to kill Brian James and Powers Booth saved his life so Brian, James gave him a chance he says you go down there I'm not going to kill you you go on the road you get the hell out of here he says you stay here we're going to kill you he says I'm not as uh, uh, my friends aren't as forgiving as I am so they get to the road and I'm not going to tell you what uh, it gets down to only like two people left. Now I can tell you who it is. And they get into a car and they were like, we'll take you to the next town. And they take them to the town and it's the, all the, the, all the hillbillies are there having a festival. And it, it reminded me of a, uh, yeah, they, uh, the apocalypse now when they're slaughtering the, uh, the cow because they slaughter a pig. And you could tell mm-hmm. they really did this on film. Yeah. Like they were doing a pig roast and they, they gutted them and the guts are coming out and the, all the hillbilly, the, uh, but they, all the other hillbillies didn't really know who they were at first. No, they were, but kind then of someone they were giving saw them and everything, but one of them, one of the houses guys. and then they had to do this little crazy meander out uh, of there they, they were like they were like running in the heels towards the end oh god it was so exciting and so it was really amazing i Everyone discovered this movie check. very late yeah i, I like even less I than 10 years like less than 10 years ago yeah i did not that late for me i discovered it in the 90s but i remember uh either lending it to you or you found it at here again cds and i was like yeah get that movie i have it on dvd and it's a tough movie to find uh i'll have to i uh, think the title threw me off yeah, it's an interesting title, but it's also Walter Hill. You know, Walter Hill was always one of my favorite directors, and I think we're going to do a Walter I Hill. I got sick drinking Southern Comfort one time, yeah. too. So. Well, Walter Hill I is... I always hate Southern Comfort. Uh, yeah, that could do it. Don't uh, eat Southern... Don't drink Southern Comfort and eat cold hot dogs around a campfire. Oh, oh yeah. Like frozen hot dogs. It's one of those things, man. You, you, you pair time, the wrong dude. thing together, yeah, and you're never yeah, going to be doing that again. Do it again. But we're going to be doing a Walter Hill directing pod uh, at, at some point, and I'll lend you Southern Comfort before we talk about it so you can wa- uh, rewatch it again, man, because it was, it's fun movie man it definitely has some elements of deliverance in it without the Ned baby rape scene <laughs> me and you and some of your old friends played a drinking game one night with uh with everclear and grape soda oh, Jesus, i don't even remember that that's how long it was it was like I don't brian drink much. <laughs> and and uh matt and that in this some of the other dudes Oof. That sounds brutal. I don't know. We all lose with that game. <laughs> <laughs> There's no winner in that no game. winners here. <laughs> all right. What do you got? Number ones. Number ones. All right. I had to save this one for last. A, a great sequel, U.S. Marshals. Oh, good, man. U.S. Marshals. A lot of people forget this. The sequel to The Fugitive. Yeah. And, and um, a, a weird sequel because they, I, I love how they just took the, uh, the what was his name? Uh, the, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, what was his character? Gerard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Gerard. He, Gerard was. They just followed him, so they're not dealing with a man with the one arm. They're dealing with a whole different case, which is great. They could have done four or five of these movies. Really, I mean, it's almost like Mission Impossible. Keep yeah. the team together. I think Andrew Davis directed this, and he's a very Chicago guy, and I love a lot of his movies. Same guy that directed The Fugitive, obviously. Did he do uh, the 
the one when Chicago police officer never relinquishes his weapon. Uh, Red Heat. No, that was Walter Hill. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a very Chicago guy, and I'm, so I'm sure this was probably Chicago. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about this? This was the, what I think about when I think of this movie. Is this is the movie that revitalized uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s career? Yep. He was in the toilet until gone. this movie came out, and he, he was, was gone. He was. And awesome then this, this movie came out, and you were like, "What the fuck happened to Robert Downey Jr.? He is back." And from this movie, it'd be well, tough to talk much about his character without spoiling it. At the yeah. End. I mean, he, it was like a secretive character kind of uh, thing so, going on. So basically, Wesley Snipes. The movie starts out. It's um, the movie starts out. You see the shadowy figure in a parking garage, like meeting up with people with briefcases and. And uh, a bunch of agents get shot, and somebody gets away with top secret stuff. Yeah. So they, they it had a great. I was a, I was surprised they had this big effects movie. Yeah. That oh, yeah. plane crash scene they There's set up. Parts of it I don't remember. I have to rewatch it. But so basically, they capture, they capture um, what's his name, uh, Wesley. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. And put him in a prisoner transport. What was his uh, plane. crime? That he was, they blamed him for being the guy that shot two, the two people in the parking garage. Okay, he was uh, ex-military. Ex-military. You could tell he's being set up. Yeah, like they gave that tone very mm-hmm. early on because he was, you know, having. So basically, they put him on the prison transport plane. They call in um, Gerard and his team. Yeah, they're always and, dealing with people who have been set up. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gerard. So Gerard gets on the plane with him. And uh, the plane goes down. Yeah. Someone in the plane had a zip gun Ooh. that was trying to kill Wesley Snipes before he could reveal that he was being set up. Passenger 57. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Wesley was, can't go on yeah, planes get, anymore. I'm not riding a plane. You ever see Wesley Snipes <laughs> get getting on your plane? Off. Get a different plane. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you, dude. I'd like to leave yes. now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Tom Hanks getting on a plane, too? Nope. Not getting on him. Not getting on with Denzel Washington either. Hey, yeah. Or the guy, from, or or the guy on, from Red Eye. Or Snakes. I'm not getting <laughs> yep, on it. I'm not, I see Sam Jackson. I'm running. I have a bingo card with planes, and if you're on there, I'm on. <laughs> so the crazy, crazy plane crash into the river. I don't remember the plane crash, but it makes Flips sense. over. That is their train sequence from the first one, the, you know? And um, Tommy Jones is rescuing the prisoners, mm. and uh, has Wesley Snipes. Hold the flashlight for him uh-huh. so he can unhook prisoners that were strapped in their seats. That well, he's helping him early on, yeah. And then uh, he wedges while what's his name dove under to try to release one of the prisoners. Wesley Snipes sticks the flashlight so it looks like he's still holding it, yeah. But it's just like being propped uh, up. I gotcha. And then he disappears. I have to rewatch this movie. And man. then I've only uh, seen it probably twice. So basically, he springs into action and says, "We have a prisoner that's had a." 20 minute head start. Oh, he does we that. We want to do, yeah, again. he yeah, does yeah. that whole speech again, and his whole team wife, is there. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> One of my best, favorite deliveries yeah. that Tommy Lee Jones has ever done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so then it becomes like a manhunt. Like well, a cat so and mouse, right? he's, he's in charge, and all of a sudden the feds show up and said, hey, the Robert, guy. It, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and. The, he's like that young and the head boss. Yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the head boss. So he shows up. And the feds tell Gerard, you have to take him with you. He's like, I don't want to. We work alone type was of a thing. Couple, uh, wasn't a couple of the other members of the team the same ones from the Fugitive? Like the long-haired guy was back. Joey Pants. Joey Pants was, was in it. Dude. It was the black girl. The black girl too. was in it. Everybody was all it's the great. same. I'm glad they got yeah. that whole team back, yeah. man. That's why they could have done more. should watch the Fugitive almost... and then watch U.S. Marshals right after yeah, it, man. Yeah, it was great. So they're, you're getting – so 
so Wesley Snipes, instead of just running away, is trying to solve what's what had happened. So Gerard picks up on it, and he's like, they, they, they had a cool swamp scene that reminded me when we, we were talking about um, yeah. Southern Comfort. They, they, they're closing in on him, and they find a shoe in the swamp. He had stolen a boat, and so they all go after him. Robert Downey Jr. is gung-ho, jumps out of the boat after what's-his-name told him not to, yeah. chases him down. Uh, Wesley Snipes takes the gun away from him, puts it to Robert Downey Jr.'s head, yeah. and um, oh, I remember that, yeah. Gerard comes up and is like, there's nowhere for you to go. You're completely surrounded. You might as well give up. He shoots uh, Gerard right in the vest Ooh. twice and uh, and takes off and gets away. <laughs> but then I remember the cemetery scene. Is that uh, it's the only scene in the movie I remember when they're when oh, yeah, they're, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so basically they go to Chicago, I think. Yeah. And to the field office because they are still trying to track one of the Chinese th- that were buying the secrets. Mm-hmm. And then without, I mean, I'd have to spoil a lot no, of the we'll, ending. We'll Basically, it it's it's like, it's Wesley Snipes on one end trying to find almost, it, it's literally the fugitive. It is the fugitive in a lot of ways. With a lot well, of ways. The, the elements that were great in the fugitive, they just, yeah, they, I mean, the story's right different, obviously, and everything, what? but it's, it's. At the meat of it, it's an innocent Wesley guy. Wesley Snipes did some crazy stunts on this movie. Well, that's the difference between one, that. One stuntman did the craziest stunt. He was. It almost was the waterfall scene. Yeah. Remember, they had yeah, him on yeah, top yeah. of the building, and he was staring out over the edge of this twenty-story building, watching this train go by. And you're like, is he going to jump from that building and try to get on that train? Because that's no way. Yeah. What, so he jumps, and what you didn't know is he had he had taken a tether. Oh, okay. That was like used to bring goods from the. Uh-huh. up onto the roof of the building because they must have been working on the building. He hooked himself on a tether, and somebody did this scene, like went down almost like zipline style right above the train platform and released himself onto the awning of the train platform, and then he jumped from <laughs> the train platform. But Wesley Snipes did part of that, yeah, where he ran along I the mean, train. He, he was very The physical. train was going, and then the, he ran along the roof of the platform and jumped on the train when he reached the speed of the yeah. train because it was just taking off. Or just going through slow. Now, his character, was his character ex-military? His CIA. CIA. So that's the difference between that and The Fugitive is, is uh, Harrison Ford's the everyman. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had no skills whatsoever. He was just trying to get... Uh, he just, just trying he to... He just found out that Proactive uh, yeah, I mean, wasn't... Yeah, uh, Provasic. Provasic wasn't... Didn't really work. <laughs> Fugitive is one of my top ten favorite movies oh, yeah. of all time. I can watch it's, that movie. I can watch that movie... Anytime. Yep. It's really, really good. That was one of the few times, remember, we had guests on. Remember, we had Andy Jean on the episode with you, me, Andy, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin. And we all agreed that our number one movie was uh, The Fugitive. It's yeah. the only time four of us had the same number ones oh, yeah. on the list. That's so crazy. We, we all agreed and talked about it uh, at a crazy length because uh, it, it was it's such a fantastic movie. The and same this is a feel. Great, was it the it's, same it's director? Same, I'm pretty sure Andrew Davis. Because it had the same feel. I'm pretty sure Andrew Davis is the director for this. And he, the, the Robert he, Downey Jr.'s. Character, the story behind yeah. that, and in the, the little tricks that happened along the way, yeah, it was were really cool. I mean, it, like we said, it, it really did change his career. After that, he had, I mean, you don't get Iron Man without uh, without U.S. Marshals because he, he really was doing like garbage type uh, stuff for a certain. Well, he was because he, he was, was a bad boy. Nobody he could was. trust man. People he forget about that. It's been so heroin. long ago. People forget about that shit. People forget about it with Drew Barrymore, and they forget about yeah. it with Robert Downey well, Jr. Which I guess they still is a, remember about Charlie Sheen thing. though. Yeah, I mean, if you it, it depends on how horrible your shit is. If you're just fucking yourself up, no one gives a shit much. You know, you'll a come. You'll drug addict and alcoholic yeah, in the club scenes. But once and you start, uh, you go. Got to grow up sometime. When, 
once you start beating on other people is when it's going to stick with he, you for uh, your whole life. But and I'm he, glad like um, he went. He's like drug and alcohol free. Yeah. Oh and yeah. He just yeah, does yeah. like yoga. Yeah. And he did a he did a he Rogan did a life He did a Rogan podcast, like, which is very. He changed his life completely you have to when you're that kind of yes. you yeah. know that down. i mean you can't and the same with uh wesley i mean wesley's problem was uh the finances really got paid taxes uh, boy you gotta pay taxes <laughs> wesley but have you seen uh uh the um what dolomite with him in it have you seen not. dolomite oh you gotta watch dolomite man it's on netflix the eddie murphy uh movie really really good anyone who's listening to this uh, check out dolomite is my name it's about uh eddie murphy playing that old school 70s uh director it's gonna make you want to fucking start filming right away but wesley snipes was the director that they got to come in there and he was awesome every scene you saw wesley and you were like oh, was Wesley's blade back, pre-text yeah, well, or? the first one it was. I think by the third one it might not have been, but it was. Certainly by it the was first in one. Florida too. Yeah, or, 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 like, yeah. or Ocala. Ocala. Yeah, they had to go to uh, deal with Ocala. Yeah, you don't want to go to jail in Ocala. No. Nope. Even the feds, uh, federal level, it's not probably a good place to be. All right, my next one. This is a movie I had just lent Dave, so Dave hadn't seen it yet, but uh, he, you definitely still got to check it out because it's so good. This was probably one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, that I've seen in the last 10 years that I have heard about for years and years and years. You just didn't get around and, and even it. mom told me about this movie. I remember way back Mom in the told day, you about a movie? Mom told me about this creepy movie. All he said was, all she said was, oh, that was a creepy movie. We had seen the actor, uh, that uh, the main actor in the movie, who was uh, the guy from, uh, well, I should say the movie first. So 1973, and it's I, it's hard to even <laughs> say because it's just a series of S's. So I guess it would be pronounced S. And it's I, seven, I, I interpret it as yeah, it's, it's seven <laughs> S's in a row, 1973, and it stars Dirk Benedict, who is Face from the A Team, and it stars uh, our guy from Cool Hand Luke. What we got here is failure to communicate. The old guy. Oh yeah. And I remember back in the day, I must have been what like, year, I must have been 12 or 13 years old, where mom had said, "Oh, that guy, he he played a creepy guy in a movie where he was turning people into snakes," and that's all I had to go on when I watched the movie. <laughs> If you're a fan of snakes, you shouldn't see oh this. Oh, my God. This is a hard movie to watch if you're not uh, a fan of snakes. The, because there's some real snakes. It's one of those things that's done at the beginning of the movie. Uh, these are the snakes that were used. All the snakes were... It, was, it has a very 70s feel to it. Uh, so incredible. I, I remember buying it. I purchased it like a year ago, and I was like, oh, my God, I finally got that movie I've heard about, and I never got around to seeing it. So I was looking at my list of movies when the wild card was coming up. It was like, I was like, I'm going to watch this. Hopefully it's good and it's worthy of it. And it was so good that it's jumped right up to my top of my list. So you're dealing with like a serpentarium. This guy from Cool uh, Hand Luke runs a serpentarium, and he has people come over and watches him do a thing where he, he brings a king cobra out. Huge snakes in this movie. Huge snakes. The King Cobra was massive, and he's doing a thing. I tell you one I caught. He's doing a thing where he's like he's in front of the King Cobra and he's touching the top of his head. He's he's standing a certain length, and everyone's like really close to him watching it. Everyone's like it's like almost like that sideshow thing that someone pulls off in this dirt town to just watch, and they all pay two dollars each or something. So it's him and his daughter run this thing. But he's also collecting venom and everything, and you get to see him working in the lab, and. He does something creepy at the beginning of the movie where he's buying something. You don't know what he's buying, or and you could tell. So it, it kind of puts <laughs> in your ear that it's some Gremlin. shady shit going on. Uh, yeah, you're not not sure what's happening here, and 
so he gets a he needs a lab assistant. So he gets Dirk Benedict, like the first movie he's ever done, way before A Team and everything. Face super young face. Uh, re- do you remember the old movie, The Ruckus from uh, Macon County, where he played sort of. like the uh, he played like the Fonzie character yeah. on a dirt bike that showed up in the town and uh, everyone hated him. And it was like a TV movie we used to watch on Park Street all the time. I'm I remember sure. me and Matt watched it, uh, but it was around that time. So he's like literally a high school student. And they, uh, he goes in there, and someone recommends his, his some guy that the uh, Serpentarium guy was connected with recommends Dirk Benedict. He says he could help you with uh, the lab assistant stuff. So he gets him in there. It's a lot of great stuff, and exposition gets out when he's touring the Serpentarium. And this snake does this, and this snake will kill you in a second. That snake, I've been bit so many times by the Black Mamba that I could, and you got to see him get bit by the Black Mamba, the, uh, the Serpentarium guy. He says, I got so much Black Mamba venom in me. He says, it will kill anybody else, but it's not going to kill me. I can get 20 bites before it affects me. You ever hear yeah, Daryl Hannah's speech? I, I know, man. This is, you should listen, you should pay attention to this because this pertains to you. Yeah, yeah this pertains to you. Uh, <laughs> so he's he starts giving him this serum. He's like, I'm going to start giving you inoculations every day so uh, of the King Cobra no, no. venom so you'll be... Uh, so if you get bit, you'll have the antibodies in there and everything, and it seems completely legit. Yeah, sounds and like a setup to me. Gradually, <laughs> it's gradual too. You know, he, he's getting the chills. He got scaly skin, and, and that eventually happens. And uh, it's creepy, man. It's creepy as hell. <laughs> a lot of it isn't directly dealing with Dirk Benedict turning into a snake, where there is that element of it. <laughs> he doesn't go full. He doesn't go full dreamscape. No, he, he at the end. It, at the end, he. They do this weird effect. Uh, it'd be a little spoilery, but it's not going to affect the enjoyment of the uh, thing. Once you know that he's turning people into snakes, that's all you have to that's really the, know. That's the that's movie. It. So uh, Dirk Benedict's getting worse and worse, but he doesn't get really bad for a while. He's like, oh, I'm not feeling good in this, and I, I, I can't hold anything down, and he doesn't think anything of it because he starts dating this guy's daughter, and the, the dad is like, you cannot have sex with him. And you think he's just being an overprotective dad, but he's like, do not exchange fluids with this guy. I mean, he's being very clinical about it, and she's like, well, that's strange that because he, he knows his like, bad stuff in this guy's uh, body and everything and what he's doing to it. And you, you soon realize that the father has done this before, two other boyfriends she's had. And they, they go into that more where she ends up finding this carnival in a freak show and finds this finds the snake man, pay 10 uh, cents to go and see the snake man. And it's creepy, man. And it, uh, the guy who played the snake man in the uh, carnival effect has been, uh, he played the... Uh, he was ex-military who got blown up by a, uh, a grenade. So he lost both his legs and one arm. And then the rest of his career when he got home was being in the movies. He played that tequila worm in Poltergeist 2. That Remember the tequila worm mm-hmm. when Craig T. Nelson yeah, yeah, yeah. puked it up and it, it grew to this nasty thing and he had no legs and everything. So anytime you don't need a legs and an arm, you call this guy. And I think he's still alive doing that stuff. Uh, but going back to Dirk Benedict, he lots starts... Of, lots of war movies, Dirk, probably. Yeah, oh, sure, for sure. Dirk Benedict starts really changing, and the, and the special effects are great. But they do this crazy 1973 effect when they're doing a strobe, and he literally turns into a complete snake. They just replace him with the biggest snake you can imagine and everything. And you see these crazy snake fights at the end, and the ending was crazy, man. It was one of those intense endings that... Like people are screaming, and then it just freezes while while the major thing is happening, and someone's screaming, and it it you, the movie ends with your heart like in your chest, and you're like, holy crap! This movie was crazy. It was way more intense than you thought this movie was gonna be, 
And for me, any movie, if it takes place, if it's a horror movie in the 70s, it automatically has that feel to it, mm-hmm. which really adds to the creepiness. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the film The film quality, quality the, the acting, the, the, the outfits, the, uh, even the like uh, set design and everything. It all contributed to how great it was. And it was a PG movie. I mean, if it was done today, it probably would have been at least PG-13 for sure because uh, there was some creepy, creepy elements to it. But it, if they redid it, I'm sure they could redo this into a crazy horror movie. But watching it, it really reminded me of Tusk. Like, mm-hmm. and there's no way, and I'm pretty sure back in my head, I think that I had heard Kevin Smith talking about how this was a minor influence on it. He had seen that movie, uh, the S movie, uh, back in the day. Because when I'm watching it, that's what you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Because in Tusk, he's turning the guy into a walrus, and it gets kind of, it, there's a lot of silliness and comedy in that, that that makes it a little bit more palatable. This was no comedy in this one. This was straight kind of dra- drama and horror. Uh, it was fabulous, man. I, I've seen it a lot. If you're looking for the DVD, don't. Might be your only way to see it. I don't, I'm not sure you can find it anywhere else. I had I got a standalone copy of it, and I was very excited. But I have seen it as part of a four pack. Like it, it includes like uh, People Under the Stairs, <laughs> the S movie, uh, Fun House, and something else. Just killer like, clowns. Uh, killer clowns. It would have been like that. <laughs> so I've seen it in a four pack. So if anyone wants to just go to eBay and buy it, oh, it's completely worth it, man. It's such a satisfying movie, and you get to see these two. One actor that we grew up watching on a team kind of start off. And then the other actor who had been like a, a consummate professional and, uh, we had heard his voice at least in, uh, we almost heard him more than saw him in, uh, in Cool Hand Luke. If you remember all the stuff in Cool Hand Luke, he was always like 20 feet away mm-hmm. from the camera, you know, and he always had that crazy Southern draw, Sun, yeah, which he on. had that voice in the sunglasses on. He had that voice obviously in the S movie, but, uh, he, um, uh, it wasn't as strong, so you could tell that in Cool Hand Luke he was putting it on a little bit uh, thick. So, fantastic movie. Definitely watch it at your house there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you will fully enjoy uh, enjoy it. So, that is our wild card for this week. Next week, we have 2000s Horror with uh, Paul and Justin. We're going to be going on, and we're gonna, hopefully we're going to have it out here in the backyard. We enjoyed that backyard one uh, pod before. So, it's just it, as clear as his conversations come through the phone it just wasn't working with how he was hearing me on the phone i was hearing him perfect he wasn't hearing me at all and i'd rather look face to face it flows better it's you got easy. the eight foot table it's an easier i got the eight foot You're table two it's, extra feet yeah yeah two extra feet it'll keep us from uh from getting the covid and uh Maybe. so yeah we're gonna be coming back to that and then me and dave are gonna do method actors we're gonna be talking a lot about sean penn and some daniel day lewis movies I, I never heard of him. Never heard of the dude. <laughs> he doesn't even know who Sean Penn is. That's Sean, how deep he's in there. Sean Penn tried <laughs> it once. He hasn't, he, been Sean Penn. he hasn't been Sean Penn since that close range. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, me and Justin doing horror. Then we're going to come back. We're going to do some uh, some character actors. We're going to do some director's pods. We're going to keep this flowing, man, and it's going to be uh, really good. And uh, eventually we're going to... Eventually the ex- world will come to an end. Yeah, we're, we're going to extend stop, this. But then, uh, we got to extend this table so we can have Justin a part of it, man, because we extend this table if we can get all get our... Uh, uh, on here uh, all at once it'll be cool <laughs> except I gotta get a new mic stand I just fucking broke our third one so I have to order that we later t- on we take our pod serious we break equipment that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's no, how it goes uh, but if you want to get a hold of us you can check us out on Fascinated with Films on our Facebook you can also leave us a like or a comment on our two platforms SoundCloud and iTunes or you could uh, shoot us an email fascinatedwithfilms at gmail.com and we will be back with you next week 2000's Horror yes. Paul and Justin See ya. Bye. God damn it, man. You done made me hurt my dickhead.